Welcome to the Cars Guide Garage. I'm James. With me are Mitch. Hey guys. And Matt. G'day. And this week we're joined by our very own Andrew Chesto Chesterton, online Ciao. from Bologna in Italy. Um, we're going to look at Mitch's time in Thailand and a significant test we're about to launch into and get an update from Chesto. So stay with us. But first, Musk Watch. Okay, so uh, fact is the deer leader has poured fuel, or maybe uh, lithium, (laughs) on the Vernon Unsworth fire. Now, this is, you'll remember the person that he referred to, unfortunately, as Pedo Guy. Yep. yep. Um, In an email to BuzzFeed reporter Ryan Mack, Elon said, quote, Call people you know in Thailand, find out what's actually going on, and stop defending child rapists, you f***ing asshole. (laughs) What? (laughs) Yeah. Wow. He alleged Vernon Unsworth had spent decades visiting and living in Thailand and had recently moved to Chiang Rai in northern Thailand, Mm -hmm. quote, for a child bride who was about 12 years old at the time, end quote. Can I ask, does he have any evidence to support this? This is all unsubstantiated at (laughs) this point. So this is just amazing, mind-blowing, given that he had publicly apologised for his original pedo guy thing. Yeah. Um, Anyway, there's more. Quote, it isn't where you'd go for caves, but it is where you'd go for something else, Mr Musk wrote. He then said, Chiang Rai is renowned for child sex trafficking, adding, I fucking hope he sues me. Wow. Well, he's going to. Well, (laughs) he gets his wish. (laughs) uh, Look, the thing is, BuzzFeed spoke with his wife, um, a Thai woman who's Unsworth's longtime girlfriend. She said she'd been with Unsworth for more than seven years. Mm -hmm. She said she was 40. For the record, she's 40. <laughs> Declined to comment on Musk's allegations against Unsworth and refer the reporter to Unsworth's lawyers. Wow. So that so, is just amazing. Maybe this is a lesson in think before you tweet. I think he oh. needs to subscribe to well, that school this, this was not a tweet. This was an email back to a BuzzFeed reporter who had been pestering him for a response on various wow. things. And That's it, even worse. So, so this yeah. is like a considered piece of communication. Yeah. It's not pick up the phone yeah. and flick off a tweet. Uh, this is something that they're on the record. My gosh. He's yep. just digging himself into a bigger hole. He really just needs to take a step back and he needs a holiday. He needs to put things just in perspective. <laughs> but look, when all's said and done... We've been following the Bloomberg Model 3 production tracker. Yep. Uh, that's where the rubber hits the road, or doesn't. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's currently sitting at 4838 this week. So two weeks in a row under 5,000. Right. So they went up there yep. over that magical 5,000 number and dipped back down second week in a row. So yep. maybe you should be sleeping at the factory again, um, getting back on board with managing all of that stuff rather than insulting people that he doesn't even know. Interestingly, he did tweet uh, just a couple of hours ago, Tesla was number one, number two, and number three for electric vehicle sales worldwide in August. Worldwide? Wow. Yeah, okay. so that's full electric vehicles, not hybrids or plug-in hybrids. Yep. Yep. Uh, and they sold 17,000-plus right. threes during that period. So, Well, look, that's, that's a brilliant segue because, um, look, it's bonjourno chesto because um, you've been in Italy all summer long and we're well overdue for an update, my friend, on the highs and lows of an Aussie motoring journal in Europe. What's news with you? 
See, see, James, see. Uh, Miss Goosey, my English, she's not so good. She's not so good. <laughs> It has been a pretty fabulous summer here in Europe, to be honest with you. You know how when you want to check the age of a tree, you cut it open and count the rings? I'm counting time in a similar way. I count the notches on my belt that I've been expanding week after week. Man. There has what? been a, I thought a you lot, were going to say you've been here. cutting people in half or something and you were going to check yeah. that. Yeah, they're all old. <laughs> that's, that's only on the German launches. Um, so the, that aside, I am absolutely loving the easy access to cars over here. You, things that used to take 30-plus painful hours on a plane to go and drive something now it takes two or three hours at the absolute most i've just climbed out of the lexus ux in sweden for example right which you, which was an absolute slog for all the other training journeys over here but for, oh, for those of us living here was very easy yeah. can't talk about it yet of course still under embargo but keep an eye on the site and it's a crazy month the cars coming up with the supras coming up the amg gt mm. four door the bmw z4 it's going to be a, a very good sort of second half of the year here to car for cars i'm telling you, it's all very exciting fabulous one, one thing I have discovered, though, is that, uh, you know how we say Australia is festooned with speed cameras, you can't move for them? Yep, yep. There are a couple over here, too, I've discovered. My, oh, uh, oh, I've received oh, three oh. or four in the last five days. <laughs> so what does that mean? That, that just means a fine, because um, are you driving on an Australian licence? I, I am. So, look, not that I would ever condone this kind of behaviour. However, it, it, it is only a fine. They can't take points off an, off an international yep. license. Yep. So you, you pay the fine and move on with your life. However, the fines are fairly hefty. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, well, I wouldn't recommend it. Isn't it, um, is it Sweden where it's a, multipli a multiplier of your uh, annual income and the speed? Is. Switzerland, I is think. It Switzerland? It's actually, actually a few of the Scandinavian countries do approach it that way. I think Finland oh. does as well because oh, they okay. realise, and it does make sense, they realise that a small fine is really no deterrent for someone driving a million-dollar hypercar. Mm. Yeah. So they can uh, they can really wallop you now if they want to. Certainly <laughs> for me, the... Uh, a percentage of my income is about a dollar fifty, so I'd be better oh, off nice. over here, mate. Speed on. <laughs> now, but one thing I did want to mention, though, and, and this is probably the biggest difference in cars between Australia and Europe. In Australia, you know how electric cars, EVs of all sorts, really remain something of an oddity. When you see one on the road, you're, you're almost a little bit surprised. Mm -hmm. It is the opposite over here. You, you really, being yeah, over right. here, you get the sense that the EV future is absolutely mm. inevitable. Right. So I was reading last week, for example, that they've just clipped a million cars sold across Europe, that's, and wow. that's a 40% increase in some countries in the first half of this year. And they reckon they'll get to 1.4 million-ish by the end of the year. So yeah, right. that movement has begun here like you wouldn't believe, really. It, it, it is taking well, hold. What does that mean, Chesto, in terms of infrastructure, you know, charging compatibility and, and different vehicles and where you can charge them and how? How does that all seem to work? Well, I think I mentioned this once before, but it very much depends on the country you're in. So I, I've just left Sweden for, for a Lexus launch, and it, over here, the infrastructure is everywhere. There are charging stations set up, and same with Germany and Austria and other places. In Italy, not so much, to be fair. They, they're still very much a petrol-loving country. Um, but, yeah, so it turns, it's the same pretty much what they're trying to roll out in Australia, only more effectively over here, which is that, that vast fast charging network, which means you can pretty much cross the continent yep. um, without ever having to plug into someone's home. Well, I suppose there's also that thing that in Europe, there has been a, a history of those quirky little electric cars that have been around since the 60s, you know, mm. Ligiers <laughs> and, and various other tiny little micro cars that run on battery power. And in the UK, milk floats that are electric, you know, the milk was always delivered on a, on a milk car. And yeah. There's sort Absolutely. of there's a, a little bit of background there that simply isn't in Australia and, and other places like North America. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, let me give you one more interesting aside. I actually wrote this for Cars Guide last week because I was fascinated by it. So, you know, you've heard, I'm sure, about the diesel bans that are rolling out across Europe. You know, plenty of countries and, and capital cities are in the process of banning diesel. So places like Paris, Madrid, Athens, Copenhagen, etc. Yep. But last week in, in London, they actually banned petrol and diesel cars in Ooh. two London boroughs, Hackney and Islington, yes. uh, during peak hours on about nine streets. So if you drive any petrol or any diesel car, you cannot go on these streets between 7 a.m. and 10 p.m. Uh, 10 a.m. Right. and 4 p.m. and 7 p.m. unless you get fined 130 pounds, which is about 230 bucks for your truck. Or so does, it, does it's like not a, just diesel cars that are on the nose? Does a does like a trap door open up and there are flames licking out of it and the car <laughs> just disappears into a fiery furnace? I think so. That would be the way to do it. it no, I think it's a bit more boring than that, mate. I think ah. they just stuff you an envelope with a fine in it. Because <laughs> that would be a deterrent. That would stop you, wouldn't it? <laughs> All right. Well, that's interesting so, because, um, I mean, I don't know about you, but if you visit North America and a, a great kind of um, yardstick for that is a motor show and most recent one I went to was in New York and it was all big trucks and, you know, F-150s and Silverados and Rams and all that was happily continuing on. Mm. Um, and you go to Japan and it's probably more about mobility and that broader concept of people moving from one place to another. But, yeah, in Europe, it's – and the last time was Frankfurt. It was all about electrification. And right? in, incentives yeah. play a big role in that. Yeah. Like the government by government, the incentives in Europe are pretty astounding. Um, I think only – California is probably better in terms of yep. what the government will do to support you buying an EV. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's fantastic that there, there is backing for it. We don't have anything like that in any state or federal level in yes. Australia. And it doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime soon well, either. It's, it's interesting, Matt. Chesto, you might know, um, I follow a few uh, UK and European motoring journos on Twitter. And it mm-hmm. appears that some of those incentives in the UK, for example, are being switched off pretty soon. And there are large concerns as to what that... Oh, not concerns, but there's a lot of interest in terms of what that might mean for EV sales. Well, it's interesting, isn't it, James? Because you, you wonder how sustainable those sort of things are long-term. How, how long can a government body basically subsidise the cost of a new vehicle? And presumably, it yeah. can't last forever. Yeah. However, in Australia, uh, I was just reading last week, Matt, we've actually got a uh, Senate Estimates Committee at the moment looking into EV cars, and, and all the major companies are... Um, contributing to it. So people like Nissan and BMW, everybody else have been attending these things and, and giving evidence. And so the bindings on that are due in October this year, which should be interesting. It'll be the first opportunity oh, really wow. for the Australian government or, or state governments for that matter to offer any kind of meaningful subsidies for EVs. Whether they do it, whether they do or not remains to be seen, but the industry certainly wants them. So it'll be interesting to see how it, uh, how it unfolds. Very interesting. All right. Well, that's, uh, I had no idea. Yeah, that's, uh, that's one to keep an eye on for sure. Yeah. All right, well, look, speaking of the leading edge of automotive technology, it's time to take a word from our sponsor. In 1914, two Aussie visionaries decided it was time for a new kind of car. After meeting face down on the floor of the Bridge Hotel in the Tuca, mates Ern Alcock and Horry Wheeler began working on their dream. And three years later, the Winton Motor Company was born. Our founders knew Australians needed a rugged car for tough local conditions with no-nonsense performance and breakthrough design. Their first production model, the 15, known to Winton enthusiasts the world over as the Mongo, was an unstoppable 15-cylinder force of nature, which set the benchmark for the Wanderers, Wildcats 
and turbos that have followed in its illustrious wheel tracks. As Prime Minister Billy Hughes, standing next to the first Mongo, uttered those famous words, She's a Ute, Australians knew they had a winner on their hands. And 101 years later, Winton remains at the frontier of progress and performance, with the groundbreaking 2018 Winton Turbo exported to more than 100 countries. We think Ern and Horry would approve. The Winton Motor Company. Go, Australia! Yeah, Winton Motor Company, what can you say? And, of course, a good friend of the show, uh, Frosty Chops, the head of uh, public relations and government relations. <laughs> Frosty was probably at those Senate hearings. Mm. Um, I, I wouldn't he have been past him. Back. But actually, he, he's, at, he's out of the country at the moment. He's been at the US Open Tennis, of course. Oh. Um, you know, Frosty's been on board with John Millman for some time mm. and was courtside at Flushing Meadows uh, to witness... Uh, Winton's latest ambassador's valiant uh, quarterfinal loss to Novak Djokovic. So that, that only went down about a half to an hour ago. So um, we've got a, for, for people watching on YouTube, we'll have a shot up. You can just make out Frosty in the crowd uh, behind John. So, yeah, watch that space. Obviously, a star on the rise, and Frosty, as usual, is right there where the action is. He's John. John's number thirty-eight or something in the world. I think. Yeah. I think um, Winton's looking to be about thirty-eight. Thirty-eight. In the world as well. Yeah. Yeah. So in, out of yeah. Well, that's some, right. Some synergies there. Yeah. Plenty of room. Plenty of headroom <laughs> yeah. uh, for improvement. Now, uh, Mitch, Hello. talking about being where it's all happening, you've been on assignment. Uh, yes. For for us. In Thailand, not, and not checking out old mate pedo guy. No, no, no. No, no cave steering, diving. No cave diving. No, I've been steering way clear of that. So what? But... What? What did you get up to? <laughs> Fill us in. Oh well, mostly I just spent a bit of time uh, next to the pool. Oh the, come yeah. on, banana <laughs> lounge and daiquiris. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. know how it is. No, but um, I went over to Thailand to just see like what what the car culture is over there and what they've got to offer, and it turns out they've got so much to offer like it's a completely different world to australia i mean who would have thought mm. um so the biggest my my highlight really was probably the motorsport so you know uh, australia has supercars america has nascar in thailand they have a uh, a racing event or series i sh- should say called the thailand super series righto and this is made up of a number of categories like there's gt3 cars gt4 cars and there's more unique categories yep uh, to Thailand, such as the super pickups, which are just amazing. <laughs> which are like yeah, proper, proper yeah. pickups. There's yeah, a line in there, yeah. but we'll move on. <laughs> yeah. And um, super eco cars. Now, I was lucky enough, I actually got to talk to the vice president of the series, Preda. Yep. And uh, he gave me a bit of rundown of the sport and all this kind of stuff. And um, he said the super pickups, it's, it's growing in Thailand. It's right really on. big. It's, in fact... Um, there are only three categories that the winning drivers get um, their trophies presented to them by the t- uh, King of Thailand. King of Thailand, yeah. Wow. And the pickups is one of them. Is Queenie there as well? No, just, no, just, just, the, just king. the king. Yeah. Okay. And Because I suppose the background to all of this is that a lot of our listeners would know, some may not, but Thailand's such an epicentre of ute production, yeah, you know, that, that, that a lot of the utes that are rolling around on our roads are, are produced in Yeah, in they Thailand are the king of they're, utes. They're big in terms of racing them as well. Yeah, so. so, and when you see these 
racing utes, like they're proper race cars. They're lowered. They've got negative camber. They've got massive wings. They've got weights thrown in the in the rear end um, bed and all that kind of stuff. Oh, and also, whenever you put your foot down on the accelerator, you get a black cloud of soot. Oh, <laughs> what's so they're diesel? Yeah, they're diesel. They're diesel. Yeah, turbo turbo wow. diesel. And um, they're some of them aren't that reliable because of how much power they're producing. Mm. On qualifying on the Friday, I watched two cars in the exact same spot within probably two seconds of each other blow their engine. Nice. Oh. Just boom, boom. <laughs> but... They are so they are so great to watch. That's because um, they saw you next to the um, you know pit rail. Yeah, oh, God, they didn't lift <laughs> off. Mitchell booty. Yeah. Is that Mitchell Talk? <laughs> yes, we all know I've got a cult following in Thailand. <laughs> uh, and there's also uh, the entry level to the Super Series is the Super Ecos, which are made mostly up of Honda Brios, which are kind of like smaller Honda Jazzes. And for yeah. those on YouTube, we've got a picture um, of one on the back of a flatbed. Yes, that, that came to grief. Yeah, so um, because it's filled with most amateurs it you can enter it with no entry fees sounds yeah. like so huge fun it's it's cheap as so because there's a lot of amateurs the racing can be a bit chaotic and mm-hmm. within a few couple uh, of sorry after a couple of laps of the first race um someone rolled their car into into a wall um he was fine and you should have seen him get out of the car like he's waving to the crowd he's like oh yeah that that was really? good get a load oh, of that wow. yeah right yeah and then another one was just punted off into a wall so it was pretty uh pretty chaotic so. and so so the Utes weren't just on the track. They were kind of dominating the landscape when you were out uh, wandering around in, in Bangkok and other places. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, that's true. So, obviously, um, as you said, Thailand is the capital of the world when it comes to producing pickups, pickups and Utes yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And it shows, like, just about 50% of all new cars bought in Thailand are, are Utes. Are Utes. Right. Yeah. And people do some ridiculous things to them. Like, they do similar what they do to the race cars. Like, they slam them, throw an exhaust system on it, big wheels, all that kind of stuff. But then you've got some that are more built for work purposes. Like, they'll have a massive canopy on the back that's, like, three metres tall. And right. And you're looking and it's like, is that going to hit that telephone <laughs> wire? No, no, that's all right. Wow. Um, okay. And all that. Um, and one of the most interesting cars I saw there was a uh, a Nissan. Uh, what is it called? It's a Nissan NV Wing Road, which if you see the front end of it, you'll be like, "That's a Nissan Pulsar." It's built on the same platform, but it can be had as a Ute or a panel van. Yeah, because I think there's an NV variant, the NV two hundred. I want to yeah, say is the yeah. New York New York cab. Yes, uh, yeah. of oh, choice. Okay. So and the NV have, gets around a bit. Yeah, the, the NV is yeah their Nissan van lineup. Yeah. They've got a bunch of them in different sizes and shapes. But yeah. they also have a, a Nissan Wing Road, which is yeah like a Pulsar wagon. You see them running around in New Zealand. Yeah, um, it's old oh, Japanese Wing imports. Road. I, yeah, right. I thought you said Wing Bro. I was oh. <laughs> hey, the Wing, wing Cubs. Fully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, well, that's good, Mitch. And you yeah. also made your new best friends. Yes, I made a whole some bunch friends of people well. at a particular showroom tuning place thing. Yeah, so there's a tuning company in uh, Bangkok, Thailand called Auto Works, and it's run by a guy ca- called Warren. Uh, he's a lovely guy, and he works with his brother there and a few other mates. And they're one of the leading tuning companies in Thailand, and they specialize mostly in um, European cars. But when we went there, they actually had a the first Thai-delivered uh, Ford Ranger Raptor. Ah, wow. And they had it hooked up to their dyno, so we got to see how much power it was making at the wheels, which was 
1.5 kilowatts and 470 newton meters of torque at the at the treads. Yeah, at the treads, right. so. which is pretty much bang on what yeah. a five-cylinder Ranger has as its engine output. Yeah, 147 oh, okay. and 470. Yeah. Interesting. So, and yeah, so they'll throw in a tune on that, which would add another 22 kilowatts and 70 newton meters of torque. And did, wow. did you get to call Warren Wazza or Wok, or did you did it remain on you know formal terms? Oh, I, I thought I'd be professional and call him Warren. Yeah, call him Warren. But um, right. ne- next time I'm over there, I'm sure we'll be <laughs> the Waz, the Wok, yeah. the Waz man, <laughs> Wazza. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's good. And um, so you made friends with them, saw yep. the first Ranger Raptor. But that wasn't the only oddity you you clapped eyes on. No. So um, in one of my final days there, we travelled a bit outside of Bangkok to a museum called the Jasada Technic Museum, um, which is literally a shed just filled with hundreds and hundreds of cars. Mind you, the majority of the cars there are Citroen 2 CVs. Righto. Yeah. Yeah, seen one. You've seen them all, yeah, in a pretty, way. Yeah, pretty much. Um, oh, it's also... we. I should make note that... It's owned all by one person. He owns every all the vehicles. Se- all the wow. vehicles. Yeah, it's kind of like the guy at the Gosford Car Museum. Yeah, up, up uh, in Central Coast of New South Wales. He he yeah. owns all the cars. Good on him. Help! I've got too many cars. Yeah. I better put them on display. Better sell some. Yeah, what a, yeah. What a problem to have. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, like there's so many cars in there that you've got no idea what what it is. Like there was one a three wheeled truck type thing that was made out of wood with the engine all exposed sitting on the front tire right i got no idea what that was. it's german i know that much um and there was I think also... that, that might have been the original wing bro <laughs> <laughs> yeah and there was also these cars called the mini els and to me uh they look like kind of small tgv trains mm. yeah in a way i right. think for our youtube viewers we'll yeah, have a well, picture up there's a red one and a white one here yeah. and the red one had a solar panel on the top nice yeah. i wonder if that was just to run the roof as opposed to <laughs> the whole anything car. to do with the car yeah. yeah but yeah so there was just so many amazing things and honestly i could go on for so, hours so about your this. any any preconceptions that you might have had or expectations were many of them met or most of them were kind of blown out of the water? How did you feel when you when you were there and when you came back? So going over there, I was just like, all right, I'm expecting to see a lot of utes, yep. um, but not not to the extent that I saw them. Like literally, right. every, as I said, everything was pretty much a ute and you didn't, I wasn't really prepared to see just what they do to it. Yeah. Mm. Because, you, you know, you've got what you see in Australia, jacked up ones, but then you've got the lowered ones and the proper ones that are pretty much made to be like street racing cars and all that kind of stuff. Because yeah. I want to say utes are about 15% of the Australian market. Thereabouts, about I think, that. yeah. So um, to get to 50%, yeah, yeah that's got to be a bit of a culture shock. Yeah. Oh, and also um, road w- rules. They're not really rules. They're more guidelines. Guidelines, yeah. yeah. Suggestions. Yeah. yeah, because, you know, you're driving on the right side of the road and you've got guys with scooters coming yep. the other way. Right. It's just like, um, yep. mate, not, not that side. Okay. <laughs> My theory is that if you took someone from Bangkok and just teleported them and their car into the centre of Sydney and then plucked someone from the centre of Sydney and put them in the middle of Bangkok, there'd be a crash within about a second. Yeah. But because they, know, because they know those cultures, it all just works. Yeah, it yeah. is madness that seems to work. Yeah, it, it's ridiculous. Like, you have people cutting in front of you, and you almost have people running you off the road. And yeah. I remember on our <clears throat> trip from the airport to our hotel, we were in peak hour traffic, and our taxi driver just turns over the show and he's like, I need to go to the toilet. And he just pulls off to the side of the road and <gasps> nice walks one. off somewhere, and the car's still running, and we're just like, 
Wow. Is he coming back? Or <laughs> <what>? <laughs> I, I do remember being, uh, had to have a fang around the Arc de Triomphe in Paris. Like, okay, I'm going to do this. Yep. And it was a very busy period. And I ended up like nose to nose with this other car because <laughs> he crept in from a side road, was trying to get behind another car. And then we were just nose to nose. We just looked at each other. He gave me that classic Gallic shrug, like, eh. <laughs> we just backed up and he did yeah. a bit of a Yui. It was, it's, so I think it works, but it, yeah. is, it is a bit shocking. Yeah. So, all right, brilliant. Well done, Mitch. We're oh, enjoying you. your stuff, and I know your videos are going to go up soon, so people yes. should have a look at uh, your adventures. Yes. Uh, that's fantastic. Now, adventures. Matt, mm. you've been in the driving seat uh, in terms of organising a three-car Comparo that we're going to get underway tomorrow, actually. Exactly, yeah. Um, and on Monday. So an important trio. Yes. Give us the details. So we're looking at hatchbacks under $25,000. Small car variety. So yep. uh, the all-new Toyota Corolla is in the mix, as well as uh, the driver's favourite, the Mazda 3, yep. and the very impressive Hyundai i30. Um, so we've got the specs we've got. I've got my notes here. Um, the You've come prepared. Good Corolla, on you. Corolla Ascent Sport uh, with the petrol auto, not the hybrid. You can get a hybrid across every variant of the Corolla range, which is pretty impressive. Right on. Um, the Mazda 3 Max Sport, which is a uh, petrol hatch as well, 2-litre. Yep. Um, and the i30 Active, uh, which will have the safety pack on it. Now, that's one of the talking points of this test, and it will be one of the things that we'll have to figure out yep. how that ranks. Um, you can't get all the safety stuff as standard on the i30 in that spec. You have yep. to pay an extra fee. Yes. Um, where Toyota has gone, well, we're just going to chuck everything at it, and so has Mazda. Well, it's interesting, um, listeners and viewers, because Mitch and I are going to be the kind of tag-alongs yeah. on, on the story. Yeah. That's going to author it, but um, we'll be there to experience the cars. Mm. And I've got to say, one of the things I'm looking forward to is that Hyundai has obviously taken such enormous strides mm. um, in recent years, but I reckon Toyota has taken some pretty big mm. steps too. It'll be yeah. very interesting to see how that i30 lines up against Corolla. Yep. And the Mazda mm. 3 is such a consistent performer as well. Yep. I reckon it's a really great uh, group of cars yeah. to assess where they're at. Definitely. Almost as a brand, yeah. as opposed to just these products. Mm. Yeah, I feel like Toyota has a bit of catching up to do because the previous gen Corolla was got outdated relatively quickly mm. once you know, more and more updates came for the i30 and the Mazda 3. So I think the fact that they're throwing everything with this Corolla, they they had to. They couldn't, you know, cut corners and be like, oh, can we offer A, a B standard yeah. or, or uh, Apple CarPlay and all that? And it's like, no, we, we have to. And, um, and Chesto, what about the famous Italian parochialism in terms of uh, lots of Lancias and Fiats and Alphas and God knows what? Uh, not many Korean or Japanese cars. What's the story there? Yeah, look, uh, it's, there are in places, I suppose, but look, the vast, you, you see so many uh, Alfa Romeo products, Fiat products, the, the little Lancia products that, you know, they Epsilon. only do little tiny city cars now, yeah. which are, um, they, they are awful to look at. It's incredible. But they, they <laughs> yeah, are, yeah, they're a mess. I agree. But Yeah, but they are everywhere. But the thing you see a lot of, actually, is the, uh, the Jeep Renegade, which is, of course, hmm. Jeep sort of Italian-built um, yeah. SUV. yeah. And so as a result, it's, it's really popular over here in Italy. But in terms of Japanese cars, not so much. Look, they're certainly here. You certainly do see Mazdas and Toyotas and, and, and the like. But it's almost as though the French small cars have become yeah. what Japanese cars are to us. Really, really. Shows, That's interesting. So you, sort of your Citroëns and Peugeots and little Renaults and things. Yeah, correct. Renault Clio right. is one of the more popular models across Europe, in yeah. fact. And it's wow. a size smaller yeah. than what we're talking about. But an interesting thing about Europe for Toyota is they're rebranding 
what has been called the Aorus up yep. until recently, but with this new generation Corolla, they're going Corolla, Corolla. worldwide. Interesting. Yep. Uh, that's so, right. Yeah. Uh, that's going to see them potentially take the number one best-selling nameplate in the world title. Right. Yes. So yes. It's a yes. Pretty yes. Well, actually. And I, I agree with you, uh, Mitch, that Toyota did have some catching up to do, but mm. I, I think they are doing it in a hurry. I, the, I, I have been really impressed by the, the most recent spill of Toyota product, including the CHR. Uh, that, that new architecture they're using has really transformed the driving experience of their products. So I, I, I reckon, know, I think I reckon it, it's also Accio uh, Toyota just applying a blowtorch to the belly of various people in, the, right. in the company and saying, look, we're known as boring car makers. Yeah. Let's change Shut it out. Um, so right. that seems like a pretty interesting cultural change from the very top. Yep, and we've got some mm -hmm. some nice twisty roads tomorrow to figure out where they all sit in terms mm. of right. driving enjoyment. But there's more to it than that. Obviously, practicality and that sort of stuff comes into play. And the sensible stuff. Oh, yeah. bag, bags not being the back for the three ups. Yeah. Right. Oh. yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Mitch, Mitch, as the youngster, you might draw the yeah. short straw. Oh, okay, that's so, usual rules, the, mate. Yeah. Wouldn't be the first time. So, but there's other things like like boot space, which is where one one of the that's actually one of the biggest criticisms of this new generation Corolla. The boot is tiny. It is 217 litres, which is smaller than most light cars or city wow. cars. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's a real miniature. surprise when you open that hatch. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, I mean, there's more to be more to be battled there, so we'll have to see how we it all will. pans out. We better move on, and we'll, we'll close out with what's in our garage and uh, what have we been driving. Mitch, Hello. I want to reference your new pride and joy. What, yes. have, what have you been driving, friend? All right, so I decided to embrace my inner bogan, and I went out and bought a V8 ute. Oh, <laughs> fantastic. He yes. sure did, and not, not just any V8 ute. Yes, I brought, uh, sorry, I bought one of the last of the XR8 utes. Yeah. Bright fantastic. purple as well. Wow. Yeah, bright purple the whole bit. Matches my personality and everything. Yeah, we'll have yeah. picks up for YouTube yeah. viewers. Um, you'll be able to see in all its glory. It's oh. on brand for Cars Guide, yeah. which is nice. Yeah. <laughs> It's, I'm so glad with my decision. I know it chews through fuel like anything. I mean, I drove it up to Queensland and I spent probably over $200 in fuel. Yeah. Um, yeah. But just having that V8 rumbling there. Yeah, good. You, oh, good on you. Well done. Great. Congratulations. Yeah. All right, Thank now, uh, Matt, yes. you've been driving a different kind of rumbling uh, V8 car. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Tell us all about that. It was yesterday, in fact. Well, I, I got a little bit chesto on things and drove a Ferrari. So okay. I was driving oh. the uh, Portofino, which is the renamed and remade California, essentially. Yep. Um, so still with a 3.9-litre twin-turbo V8 engine and yep. lots of powers and torques, and it looks much, much, much better than the old California did. Um, and it's... Just a real surprise package. I was I was delighted by it because it has that balance of being really comfortable and controlled. Yep. And if you do want to wring its neck, you can. Right obviously, on. it's yep. a Ferrari. You know, mm. it does naught to a hundred in three point five seconds and naught to two hundred in just over eleven seconds. I didn't get wow. to <laughs> test that, unfortunately. Yep. Good um, news. But yeah, <laughs> roof down. Loud exhaust. I mean, I'm not sold on the exhaust note. I mean, all it's right. very hard to get a twin turbo V8 to sound really terrific get, all the time. Get some good sound past the turbos. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, at full blast, when you're bashing through the sequential gears, it's pretty amazing. Nice, because so. Ferrari knows how to make a nice double clutch box. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So okay. what about you, James? What have you been well, driving? Very quickly, um, only because we've touched on it already, I was driving the uh, Corolla oh, yeah. in SX, guys, uh, CVT petrol, so that's yep. two liter yeah i think it's about 120 odd yep, 125 125 yep um and 
I found it a super capable, very nicely mm. built small car. Mm-hmm. Nothing inspiring in terms of the way it drives, mm-hmm. even though that's plenty of power and it's decent on torque. But the most shocking thing was opening up that hatch. Yeah. Uh, that it is so tiny. That that new TN, TNGA platform yep. seems to work wonders. It's it's beautifully refined, very comfy. Uh, the ride's fantastic. Yeah. But it's as if the one box they couldn't tick was this cargo space. Yeah, independent um, rear suspension space, yeah. plus yeah. plus having a spare wheel. They insist on having a spare wheel, Toyota Australia. Is it a full-size or tempo? Yeah, yeah, it's full. a full-size oh, okay, steel yeah. wheel. Yeah. Um, so, so, yeah, that's nice. Mm. And that's lovely. That is yeah. nice and reassuring. But when you've got bags of groceries, you're probably it's, torn. Like, yeah. oh, I think I'd have a space safe. Yeah, <laughs> thanks very much. And Chesto, what's, what's been in the Chesterton garage most recently? Well, not so much what I have driven, but what I will soon drive. I'm oh, very excited this month. It's it's the uh, it's time finally for the Supra and Z4 twins, Ooh. and obviously at different times and in different places. Mm-hmm. But I'm very very excited about those two cars. I can't wait to see what the what the Japanese and then German take on on that uh, on those models Fantastic. are. So very excited that'll come later this month. Excellent. Because it's about as far from a you know an '86 BRZ as you can get. Mm. You know that they've got similar yep. underpinnings. Yeah. Um, but dramatically different cars to look at. And it'll be interesting to see how they not only look, but how they feel and, and drive. You're right. Well, ex- exactly. They, they promise that they are, they are vastly different. So same engine, same gearbox, and a lot of the same architectures, I understand it. But, but both, have, both companies have promised that their cars are very, very different. So it won't be the, the, the BRZ86 sort of, you know, pick the differences, but yep. it'll just be it's just very curious to see the two mm. different nations take on how to produce that kind of car. I really am excited to see what they've done. Fantastic. There's, no, right. there's no Suzuki version coming, despite <laughs> what the photoshops will tell you. <laughs> Matt and I are both very disappointed by that. Yeah. News. <laughs> All right. Well, look, we, we, better, we better call it uh, the finish line at that point. Thank you, Mitch. No worries. Thank you, Matt. Thank you. Thank you, Chesto. And thanks to, our, thanks to our producer, Marsden, for his behind-the-scenes wizardry. Any connection between his reality and yours is purely coincidental. <laughs> Thank you for listening, and please give us your thoughts on anything we've discussed today. Search for Cars Guide on Facebook and Instagram and use the hashtag CGPodcast or email us at comments at carsguide.com.au. You can listen to and watch us on YouTube, and if you're an iTunes devotee, please rate and review us. It helps others find the podcast. I hope you can join us next week. Until then, I tell my daughters they shouldn't chase boys. They should pass them. (laughs) 